We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Aikman is intercepted by Sam Mills. Steve Smith is going to go all the way. Panthers win in overtime. Newton steps up, goes for the end zone. Olsen, touchdown! Brian Burns to the house! And it is caught for the touchdown by Moore. And in the foot race, McCaffrey to the end zone. Keep pounding on three. One, two, three. Keep pounding. And welcome back to another episode of The Roar, brought to you by Blue Wire. I am one of your hosts, Billy Marshall, and I am happy to be joined by my co-host, Mr. John Ellis. Jay, how's it going? Oh, Billy Marshall, how you doing, my friend? I'm well. Looking forward to this final stretch of the season as we enter December. The team is still technically in the playoff race doesn't feel that way uh but uh we got something to talk about i think the firing of joe brady that's front and center right now so uh eager to get into it with you my friend i mean john this is getting a little bit too tiring with this organization they're just always looking for uh, they're always in the news for the wrong reasons and sometimes it's for the right reasons but it, it just everything about this season and everything that they've done, um, especially like since the calendar turn, has been short-term decision after short-term decision, as if they're like, as if they have a mandate to win a Super Bowl, which I find crazy. Right. And I said it a couple <laughs> weeks ago after the uh, Cardinals game. I said that signing Cam Newton, it's not going to resolve the issues with this team, and we saw his performance in Miami. It wasn't great, but I don't think that he should be uh, to blame for the overall structural issues with this organization and uh, no better way to encapsulate the issues with this organization than the firing of Joe Brady. Like they didn't even fire him like during the bye week to allow their new offensive coordinator to maybe prep with, uh, their quarterbacks in their position group. They fired him like on a Sunday and supposedly they wanted to do it on a Saturday when coaches and players aren't even in the building. And it just, everything about this organization just screams incompetence and dysfunction. And I don't know what your thoughts are, but I just uh, firing Joe Brady does not solve the underlying issues with this team right now. No, it certainly doesn't Bill. You know, you and I have talked about the arc of this 
franchise since Matt Rule took over. And, you know, we were, you know, hot and cold on some of the moves they made in year one. I think uh, coming in, we were giving Matt a chance to really shine and operate here and build what was allegedly going to be a three to upwards of five years type of program in terms of the rebuild. This is what David Tepper had said. This is what Matt Rule is all about. Uh, The big selling point with Matt Rule, Billy, and you and I talked about this on like our first podcast. I remember this was, this is episode, I think 102 now. (laughs) So you have to go back in the archives, but we talked about, I think I raised the point, you know, what is the selling point on Matt Rule? Why is this guy a hot commodity? And it was all about, of course, you know, program building, uh, he's well-respected, da-da-da, I get that. And I think Matt is a very good football coach. He had success at Temple, had success at Baylor, did a great job taking two heaping piles of crap and turning it into something sustainable. And now Baylor with Dave Aranda, who I like a lot, by the way, has uh, won the Big 12 championship. So uh, the, the the details here, you know, let's dive into it. It's a year-and-a-half run for Joe Brady. Um You and I have talked about Joe Brady here over the years, and we're going to get to that here in a minute in terms of what he could have done better, what he was hamstrung with, because I think you and I have opinions that do align for the most part on that. But, yeah, speaking to your point, organizationally, it's a mess right now. You you set yourself up for failure when you don't build from the inside out. And I have to think part of their thinking, because Matt talks about process a lot. I get that. But I have to think part of the thinking is, okay, you know what? If there is thinking here, which I guess there is, let's wait until year three to address the offensive line. They re-signed Taylor Moten. Um, and I'm not excusing them, Billy. I'm not providing excuses. I don't even know if that's their thinking. I just have a theory on this that since Tepper gave Matt Rule sort of some room here in the beginning, let's wait until year three when the cap sort of clears up from the dead money and then go in and attack the offensive line, perhaps through free agency. The problem with that is, and we talked about this earlier, uh, Neil Kulong, who does work for the Touchdown Wire with Doug Farrar, and I were talking with Honest NFL, who's a former scout. I know you know him. He's on Twitter. He's a very insightful guy who's worked in the Philadelphia organization and, and had some takes on sort of the way they're building this program a little bit backwards. And, and I do agree And that, look, if you're going to start fresh – Start fresh. Get yourself a rookie quarterback. Go young. Get Justin Fields. Go get yourself Mac Jones if you do believe you can build around him. They couldn't. Not with this offensive line. We know how that would finish. But the bigger picture is they drafted J.C. Horn. That's fine. Good player. It's a shame he got hurt. They have bulked up on defense through an exclusive defensive draft, which has never happened, by the way. And those have paid dividends. So I give them some credit for that. But their inability, Billy to stay on track with what a rebuild is all about bothers me. And Honest NFL brought up a good point. This guy, again, you can follow him on Twitter at Honest NFL. Again, this guy knows football. He's been in organizations before, and he brought up a good point. Matt Rule does not have any schematic advantages. You talked about the Kyle Shanahan rebuild a while back with San Francisco, and that took time. We talked about what went into that and how it took them years. And I like Kyle a lot. I like what they're still doing. I know they just got beat, but they're still a stronger operation. They have an identity, Billy, on offense. Schematically, Kyle Shanahan knows what he wants. He's got a schematic advantage. Matt Rule does not. Defensively, Phil Snow has done a fine job. They've established some schematic concepts there that work. So far, it's been pretty good. 
In the run game, they've been gassed a little. But overall, the pass defense has been good. The pass rush has been good. The coverage, they've got some good guys back there. Uh, and I'm interested to see Gilmore get more snaps. I'm, I'm fascinated to see J.C. Horn come back next year. Maybe even this year. He might be practicing soon. And I want to see C.J. Henderson develop because that's more trade capital they gave up in the way of Dan Arnold. But, yeah, Billy, it's not – I don't see forward momentum. That's my biggest problem here. To the point where they fired Joe Brady midseason, that never helps you. And I've always said this. Dan Mullen pulled this off in the college game. You remember when Matt uh, – I'm sorry, Ron Rivera pulled this off in 2018. Firing assistants midseason is a pretty good indicator that your seat is getting hot and it's time to save face. And I get where he's thinking, you know what, we can simplify things with Jeff Nixon. If you don't have enough of a handle on your organization as a head coach to where you can't do that with Joe Brady, if you can't implement your comp- your concepts that you want with Joe Brady, who spent time with Sean Payton, then don't hire him in the first place. Joe Brady's bread and butter was pass game coordination coming into this. Now, is he an idiot? No, he's not. Joe knows how to adapt. He's run plenty of good run concepts as well. Problem is, you don't have the offensive line to pull that off at times. I think they got to play some downhill football down the stretch. And for I, from what I gather, I think it's as simple as this. Matt came out, remember, Billy, after that Giants game and put a target number on how many times he wanted to run the ball. And you and I at that point were like, look, this is just not a good idea. You don't need to be public with that. And I want you to elaborate before I, sorry to interrupt. What has gone on with him and just this transparency? Now he's going on in the media and saying that Brady Christensen doesn't have the arm length. Like, why, are you, why is he revealing this stuff in the media, John? There's no need to do this. It's pointless. It's, and I don't want to say it's a rookie mistake, but Matt just talks too much. It's, it's an organizational thing here. It's one of the things I love about Scott Fitter, or at least from a press conference perspective, is he just gives you the bare minimum the meat and potatoes, and moves on. Joe Brady was very much the same way when he spoke to the press. And I like Matt. Again, this is not personal. But Matt has done this time and time again. After the Washington win last year, he came out and sort of gloated a little bit and just sort of ran his mouth a little bit. To come out and sort of put a target number on how you're going to run the ball and then talk about, well, we're we're still going to look at P.J. in the passing game. You're not fooling anybody with that. You tried that. You didn't give P.J. any snaps in that Washington game. So the only reason P.J. played last week was not to get Cam Newton killed and also, I guess, quote, provide a spark, which was never going to happen because the line can't block for more than two seconds. And by the way, P.J. Walker, I like the guy, but he's extremely turnover prone, Billy. So that's not the answer. But yeah, to your point about the Brady Christensen thing, why even go there? What 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 does that benefit in terms of your structure, your organization, your locker room and his development? And Brady Christensen's comments were interesting, and I'm paraphrasing here. He talked about, hey, you know, I'm preferably, yes, I'm a left tackle. And Billy, he was in college. He was Zach Wilson's blindside guy. But this organization, Billy, has been hell-bent since training camp. And I was there every day at playing him on the right side and playing him inside now. And even mentioning center, I, I mean, Bill, th- this is just ridiculous. The short arms thing is such a ridiculous thing to harp on if that's your belief fine keep it in house work on it you know (laughs) work on it behind the scenes but don't get in front of the media and again i i would say joe person at times has sort of kicked this back at me like well we want coaches to be open and and give us dialogue i said well from a reporter's perspective that's great from a team building perspective from a a managing the, the narrative perspective this is not how you do it 
So I would just like Matt to just be a little shorter with his comments here because tipping off what you're planning to do with Brady Christensen every week doesn't help him. It puts the the, the spotlight on, on his development more than it should. All you got to say is, look, Brady, we're looking at options here. He played a good game at left tackle. We might see him out there. Let's see how it goes. That's all you got to say. Yeah, yeah, spot on, John. You just don't, and this is Belichick is the king of this, controlling the narrative. Yeah, just he, he, here's a question. I mean, if Joe Person or anyone else in that media room asks, why is he playing guard? Just say, you know, we felt that he's best posi- suited to play guard right now for us, and we're still experimenting with different options. Don't, I mean, getting into the arm length thing, it's, it's like it doesn't need to be said. And you had it's a very ridiculous, fascinating exchange with honest NFL. You guys were going back and forth and you said, it's just, it's information that doesn't need to be disclosed publicly. And then he said, you know, correct on both counts. This is not something that you speak with the relevant coaches and personnel staff, not to media. You never categorize a young player so early in their development for the world to hear. That's not fair to the player. And I don't know what I'm seeing here. Like it's, it, to me, it's it's just everything just seems out of sync. Okay, now let's get back to Joe Brady because I feel like that's a little more relevant. All right, because um, a couple of things, the Cook Index and what the Cook Index measures is how much a team passes a ball in neutral situations. And that's essentially the percentage of passes on early downs, first or second, in the first 28, mini, 28 minutes of the game. Meaning that Carolina, this was last year, they were 18th. So they were bottom half of the league this season. They ranked 26. So they are already among the most run heavy teams in neutral situations. So he wants to cut down on the turnovers and he thought that the Panthers were probably better running the ball and he's not wrong, but the, the situation is that the quarterback that they acquired, he turns the ball over, you know, 13 times and nine starts and Exactly. Thank you. Exactly. And so it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's not, it's not fair. And I want to bring up a quote from Nate Tice, who uh, again, great follow on Twitter. His dad, Mike Tice is a former NFL head coach, but but here's the thing. I mean, Joe Brady, we all know comes from the Sean Payton tree and they run a lot of the same concepts of the same. So there's going to be a lot of motions, shifts, a lot of quick game, five step concept screens, runs, play actions. Okay. Now here's what Nate had to say. He, he thought that Joe Brady actually did a fine job as an offensive coordinator. I'm going to read you quote. He maybe could have varied some things up, but they had a terrible offensive line in Darnold. I think last year's stuff was more indicative of what he can do. He ran a lot of typical Peyton concepts and understood his personnel. And I don't think he's wrong there, John. I think that, I mean, you're already having the offensive coordinator adjust. I mean, they're one of the most run heavy teams in the NFL at this point. Steven Ruiz, who wrote an article for The Ringer today, he mentioned the same thing. They're already running the ball a ton. Like, what are we trying to accomplish here by, um, you know, running it more than what we've already ran it? You don't have the offensive line to sustain that. Like, everyone is going to be infatuated with the what the Patriots did, but you don't have that offensive line to do it. You also just simply, you have to throw it to keep defenses honest too. And, and so, John, I, I think... Uh, we'll, we'll get into the preview later. I think it'll work this week because they're playing a defense that's not very good. And this formula for however we want to think about it, um, you know, it barely worked against the Falcons the first time. It might work this time. I just, I just, I, I don't, I don't think this is a, the right approach. And unfortunately, 
uh, for Matt Rule, this is going to be the, the beginning of his downfall, whenever it is, because you can't just say you want to run the ball in the modern NFL. Okay. Like, yes, I, I agree. Running it is uh, certainly uh, advantageous. Um, and I'm not saying that Joe Brady is without faults, but when he's already adapting to the play calling by having their play calls be one of the most run heaviest in the NFL. I'm just, I'm a little confused on what else he should do. I mean, it becomes, it comes down to an issue of personnel over play calling. And that's kind of where I stand right now. Yeah. And this goes back to the pro personnel side of things. We talked about Billy with uh, a number of folks on that side. I, I will be fair. I think the college scouting team, I think the college personnel folks have done a really good job overall. Have they hit home runs every pick? No, but they've built a solid young core there. The Hassan Reddick signing, let's just go through this, and then I want to touch on Joe Brady. That that I don't think you can give a lot of credit to the pro personnel folks for that because that's a Matt Rule guy, and that was a, a classic easy fit. Now they're going to have to make a decision on his contract moving forward because he's been outstanding, everything I thought you and I maybe thought he could be. Um, Morgan Fox, again, a good signing defensively. Offensively, though, I mean, they extended Robbie Anderson. Um, that's questionable. They have given out contracts to Pat Elfline on day one to Cameron Irving. These weren't vet minimum one-year type deals either. These were situations where they came in and they understood, hey, and they were raving about these guys too, especially Pat Meyer and Matt Rule. Just, you know, Pat Elfline is just a, he's a wrestling mentality guy and he's tough and this and that, and that's fine. Uh, and then the long arms, everything was made. This, this, this fetish about the long arms, Billy, this is what, like, Honest NFL on Twitter was talking about. Technique is king. And, and Brady on tape, Brady Christensen, that is, is a technician. He's a technically sound player. Is he physically as gifted as others? No. But this was a short-arm draft for the most part for tackles. There's been players over the years with shorter arms. Jordan Gross comes to mind. Jason Peters. Others out there. Christian, or uh, not Christian Slater. He's an actor, by the way, folks. <laughs> Rashawn Slater. Um, not the longest arms in the world. All done and are doing good things in the NFL. So again, uh, that needs to be analyzed. Joe Brady made adjustments. Look, folks get on Brady because I think a lot of people that watch the game haven't been exposed to film, haven't put the time in. You've put it in longer than I have, but over the past few years, I've really dedicated myself to grabbing the All-22 and just charting and looking at what the trends are. Oh, don't flatter yourself. You watch a lot of film. <laughs> Billy, you're a key, you're a film king, my friend. I will never forget the first time we met was when you you roasted me on Kyle Allen, and that that's what started this podcast. I digress, though. Um, Joe Brady installed 21-22 personnel. He installed boot concepts off of that. And that was to, to marry and fit with Sam Darnold's strengths. Go, go read Ted Gwynn's article here from The Athletic. I posted earlier a great piece. Oh, yeah, I just subscribe. read it. I, I took some quotes from it. Um, yeah, y'all should subscribe to this, by the way. Let me read. Um, go ahead. Kind of paraphrase his final paragraph. And I, I agree with everything he said here in this final paragraph. Um, it says, overall, I like Brady's system and play calling. And I think he can be very successful with better talent to work with. He needs to improve his ability to adjust, but he has a good football mind and should learn with more experience. I agree with those two senses. He understands the type of players he has on his team and puts them in a position to play to his strength. However, there's only so much you could do when you can't block and your quarterback isn't accurate and turns the ball over. It seems like Rule wanted a heavy run at all cost offense and Brady wasn't falling in line with his wishes. As an assistant coach, you have to be able to take orders from your boss, and Rule must have felt that Brady wasn't in what it mold the offense to his liking. 
Brady is a young and smart coach, and although it seems unlikely he'll be an NFL head coach next season, he should get a second chance and a desirable destination soon. I mean, that that's 100% spot on. I mean, his system and his play calling, in my opinion, are perfectly fine. A lot of people get on him, um, you know, for certain things, but to me, it's it, it just comes down to this philosophy of running the ball at all costs that this head coach is, you know, striving towards. I mean, you have to throw the ball and you have to protect the quarterback. You just have to. I'm not saying you go throw it 50 times a game. You got to throw at least 20, 25 to keep the defenses honest, especially if you're playing ahead because, I mean, what's going to happen when, you know, the Falcons or whoever takes the ball down, they score in their first possession. You're down seven, nothing. You can't just run the ball. You got to throw it too. Yeah. Look, I talked to a scout the other day who's worked around the Patriots organization at times. Um, And I've also listened to some comments from guys like Pat Kerwin, who's worked with Belichick. And again, we're talking about this Monday night game. Um, They have both sort of echoed what I think, you know, looking at what the Patriots did, they, they're a chameleon. This this offensive identity with the Patriots. Now, they have some general concepts they run. They run a lot of two-back stuff, a lot of 21-22 personnel. But to think that all of a sudden, you know what? Oh, look what the Pats did. That's the formula. That's not it. That is a specifically tailored plan for the weather, for the elements, for the opponent. Buffalo did a bad job in terms of their fronts, I think. They ran a lot of over fronts. And the they weren't thing able that just to... drives me insane is that Buffalo should have won that game. They were in the red zone multiple times. Exactly. And, and and they didn't adjust. The safeties took some bad angles, but they had light boxes, Billy. They, they should have gone up and played a bare front and just taken it away, and Mac should have just been forced to throw the ball. But getting back to rule, that it's, it's, it's all he's very general about what he wants on offense, but then he gets very specific about player traits, and that's what bothers me. It's like, okay, you know what? We're going to, oh, I just want to run the ball more. We're going to, you know, to the point where you identify a target number. You know, my brother had something for a while back. His name is James. He knows football about as well as we do, I think. Uh, but he doesn't work in the biz here. He should. Um, he had something a while back called the bull ratio. When this is in the heart of the Mike Shula era with, with Newton. Uh, this was back with Curtis Samuel, guys like that. Uh, again, with, with uh, Jonathan Stewart. And he had sort of a, not a target number that was stiff, but sort of a general concept of mind. Okay, you know what? If you allow, if you give this many guys this many touches throughout the course of a game, you generally win. Now, that's a dangerous formula to go in with, and that gets back to the Matt Rule thing. Now, now my brother James is generally right on that. When, when, when McCaffrey or Newton or Stewart would combine for a certain amount of touches, including like DJ Moore in certain concepts, yeah, they would usually win that game or at least control it on offense. But the bigger picture here is they don't have an identity, Billy, right now on the offensive side of the ball. Defensively, they have an identity. They've been bullied a couple games. They're a little light in the front. They've made some questionable substitutions at times. But I still like what Phil Snow's done on the whole. I think given the lack of field position, the turnover issues, um, they've done a pretty swell job defensively, and they have an identity. They run a lot of the concepts that were brought from the Big 12 when Snow was at Baylor, sort of the 404 tight stuff. Uh, but they also get after it with different fronts and different looks. They could do better, but offensively, the, the problem is Rule had said this in the press conference, Billy, and and this is what struck me. Of all the comments, somebody asked him, I, I think it was David Newton, about you know, what were you thinking in the beginning when you went through the hiring process with your coordinators? And Matt, once again, said something revealing. He said, I went out of my comfort zone 
to, to bring in Joe Brady, which told me, and we talked to Greg Cosell, you and I a while back. You remember Greg's comment? Oh, my God. Did he really say uh, and that? This is why I, uh, what's that? Did he really say he went out of his comfort zone? He said that. Uh, I'll pull up the quote, and I'm, not, I'm paraphrasing here, but it was very much oh, along boy. the lines of, I went out of my comfort zone when hiring Joe Brady. Um, and what that tells me is, and the first guy up was Jeff Nixon, who I respect. Jeff has more NFL experience than Matt Rule, by the way. So I'm, I have no problem with Jeff Nixon sliding in and calling plays. It's the same playbook. It's just going to be called a little differently, I think. The larger point here is, what's next? Where does Matt go next? If Joe Brady's out of his comfort zone, where does he go for a coordinator next year if he's still around? So I have a problem with that because that tells me you're leaning too much and I've been told this by guys who know him, including scouts, that he leans a lot on familiarity with guys like Tahir Whitehead, with, with others through the, the Temple Baylor pipeline, Sam Tecklenburg, others that have been brought in. And that's fine. Do what you got to do. But that staff is, is, is heavily, heavy, heavy on college guys. It's heavy on Baylor guys. Evan Cooper being one of them, who I, I guess is doing a fine job now in terms of being Matt's right-hand man, but also helping with the DBs. So be it. That's fine. I've got a lot of respect for Evan Cooper. But at the same time, where do they go next? Because if Joe Brady's not it, Joe is a very good schemer. He's a very good schematics guy. Again, what he did wrong, I think, maybe, and and Ted Gwynn had sort of highlighted this in the article, but even back to the game, I broke down that Hank concept, the double-mirrored hook there, the deep hook, and, and they ran that probably excessively there and that's something you got to adjust to a little bit third quarter production has not been great offensively that's something you got to look at but this is Matt Rule's offense Billy it has been all season and um, I think people need to understand that Matt has a stranglehold on this organization not only from play calling on the offensive side he probably gives Phil some autonomy to a certain degree but personnel as well Sam Darnold Teddy Bridgewater. Folks, I'm telling you right now, I have it on good authority. I've been telling you this for months. That was not a Herney deal. That was not Brady pushing for that, although I don't think Brady minded it. That was all Matt Rule from day one. On the day he signed that contract, I was told by a source within that building that was all Matt Rule. That was never not going to happen. It was almost like part of the deal. So again, I'm uncomfortable moving forward because I'm not seeing forward momentum. That's my biggest problem. I want to see progress. I don't want to see this imbalanced roster that's made up of a collection of, you know, all-stars like <laughs> you've got Stephon Gilmore now playing limited snaps. And you've his got wife these... is like subtweeting the team. I know, right? <laughs> I love her, by the way. She's a great follow. She keeps it real, Gabrielle. Um, no, I, I, Billy, I don't like how they've constructed this thing one bit. And I, the only thing I go back to is thinking, you know what, if I had to have a theory about it, I, I maybe this year three was kind of like, you know what? Tepper was like, hey, Matt, go out and have some fun, experiment a little bit, throw some you-know-what against the wall, see if it sticks, and then year three we'll have the funding to go out and attack the offensive line. But that's a sloppy way to build a team. So I can't think of any other way they've done it. If you're going to draft a day-two guy who's been a college left tackle, and then you're going to go sixth round with Deontay Brown and, and then talk about his weight and just – and then where's the sports science here? <laughs> How long is it going to take for Deontay Brown, who's off IR now, by the way, so hopefully he gets in the lineup. My last point here, before we turn it back over to you, if I would, if I had my druthers, since they're going to play Cam Irving no matter what, I'd go Christensen, I'd go Irving, I'd go Parrot, or not Paradis, but to Elfline, because we have to, and then at guard, I'd go Deontay Brown, and then I'd go Moten. I think that's their best chance. Irving has played inside before. 
And I would give Christensen a chance to show what he has down the stretch. To, to always say about Ron Rivera, he did this in 2014 with Rimmers, with Norwell. He put them out there, even with Byron Bell, and gave them a chance to do their thing. And the team ran the table and made the playoffs and won a playoff game. So at some point, you have to do what you have to do with your young guys. And I just keep leaning on that as as something they're uncomfortable with on that side of the ball. They've got to fix the offensive line. Cam played like hot garbage against Miami. I get it. But that offensive line, I think, uh, oh, who was the guy from PFF that posted? Was it Steve? Um, there was the worst offensive line performance yeah, in NFL yeah. history. Steve Palazzolo. <laughs> yeah, and he's a good guy. Look, I, I watched the whole tape again, and I can't think of too many Panthers games in the past maybe with the exception of like 2000 where it was worse than 2001 actually where I remember a quarterback running for his life that often and no point of attack being set at the line of scrimmage. It sucks. They're poorly schemed. They're poorly coached and they're just not that good. So they've got to fix that or else they're not going to be any much better than they are right now. A team about two or three games under 500 that eventually teases you with a road win against Colt McCoy. Um, Billy, they got to fix a lot of stuff here, man. And I don't know if Matt rules the guy. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. It's just, John, it's getting tiring. Like I said, they're in the news all the time for all the wrong reasons and, uh, it just that everything just like I said at the beginning of the show, it just screams dysfunction and incompetence. And like you couldn't wait until the end of the year to make this move. Like what purpose does it serve your organization to start firing? Like what what happens when you're trying to go out and recruit another offensive coordinator? Like what do you what, what does that speak or other NFL yep. coaches? Like what are they gonna think that you fired Joe Brady knowing very well? that he's working with you know subpar personnel and that's no disrespect to the players they're doing the best they can in the in difficult circumstances but i just feel like matt is way in over his head he doesn't know how to adapt to this nfl he's just speaking out of his you know 
behind and he just he's not making a positive impact on this organization and i don't know if he's getting fired i have no insight to that i have no idea that if he's safe or if he's getting fired i I don't know all i'm gonna say though is i have a very tough time seeing that this uh brand as if he likes to call it uh turns around in the next 12 months because i just i don't see it you know usually rebuilding teams it takes three years but this team, it's I don't know because they're shuffling quarterbacks in and out, like the Bengals. Like they they've managed to, to turn it around in three years because they've had Joe Burrow as a rookie, and now this second year it, they've turned it around. The same thing with the 49ers when they when that crew came in, they traded for Garoppolo, and within three years they were in the Super Bowl. But they had a consistency at that position. There's no consistency. We don't know if Cam Newton's going to be here next year or not, or what even his body is like. And they are already down a second round pick and a third round pick because they want to make short-term decisions that they felt that they were a win-now team and they just completely miscalculated it. I don't know what's going to happen. I I just know that this team uh, from an organizational and top-level perspective, it's it's very easy to blame uh, the owner. And maybe he does deserve, maybe he is pulling the strings and he mandated certain things. I don't know. I can't speak to that for 100% certainty. I'm just saying that when you're not following a process, when your game management skills are completely uh, by year two, still terrible, and your preparation for games is not great. And then, you know, the one thing that you want to fall back on is let's run the ball more. I'm I'm not feeling confident. And I don't think this is going to turn around whether they win, you know, a few games here or there. And these wins might seem nice in, you know, on the mirror, but in the end, I, I just, I feel like, you know, for this organization to progress, they really have to think, take a large, large, hard look at how they're operating. And that starts with the head coach. It, it does. And again, hindsight's twenty twenty, And then the, again, the conversation I had with Neil from Touchdown Wire and, and Honest NFL, who's a, by the way, uh, an anonymous anonymous source, by the way, but he is verified. I've talked to him. Uh, Honest has sent me some pretty cool stuff, by the way, Billy. I need to share with you in terms of, uh, if he'll let me, by the way, I think he will, in terms of some uh, old playbooks and stuff. So he's legit. He's been around. And this is a guy, again, a great conversation earlier about the, the right way to balance scheme with talent. Um, I just don't think Joe Brady was put in a great position here uh, in terms of, because let's be honest, Joe Brady's not cutting the checks. Joe Brady is not an integral part of signing players. He has input. I'm sure he had input. But to what degree? I mean, I think with, with the same type of degree that probably Phil Snow did. He's not. There's a notion out there with fans that Joe Brady was responsible for these quarterbacks. He was not. The, 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 the Sam Darnold acquisition was an absolute atrocity. And when it happened, you know, we tried to give it a chance, Billy, on this podcast. We tried to be open-minded, but it never made sense. And then the the, the oh, day man. after, yeah. the day after they don't draft a quarterback in the first round of the draft, which we can debate that all day. We'll see how Justin Fields turns out. I, he's going to start this week against the Packers. I still contend he'll be a pretty damn good quarterback long-term. But what has Matt Rule said all along, Billy? Here's another thing he's talked about, and again, paraphrasing here not putting too much on the quarterback, playing team football, not wanting to make the quarterback the centerpiece. That, these are themes he's talked about, Billy. These are his ethos. This is his, his brand. 
This is what he's all about. And I, I think that was central to much of what went on with Cam Newton when he departed. Matt is an alpha male. He's never worked for an owner. He's never had to answer to superstars. So uh, the shoulder, I'm sure, was an issue as well. But the timing stunk in terms of Cam's rehab. They got him out, but he's right back in the door. So it's like you're paying him more now than you probably would have had you extended him. These are just bungled decisions. And now we're stuck with Darnold. That fifth-year option was inked the day after the first uh, round of the draft. And there's, I don't think, from my understanding, there's no way to get out of that. Maybe some some cap guru can tell me how they can, but you follow guys like Joel Curry and Spotrack and all that. I don't see a way out of it. So they're on the hook next year for like 16 million plus for Sam. So how does that work out? They're still paying Teddy Bridgewater, who, by the way, is still throwing interceptions in Denver. <laughs> so it's just like, just but like, he has them in the playoff race. He does to his, to his credit. And uh, overall efficiency has been pretty good on his end this year. Um, but man, I, it wasn't never going to, Holding on to Teddy, you made a great point, Billy. Holding on to Teddy, and you banged this drum. I I followed suit. Holding on to Teddy and and maybe drafting a quarterback or at least finding another option later in the the draft or whatever you want to do would have been a much more suitable option given the fact he was already under contract than cutting ties with him, still paying him for that, and then giving up trade equity, valuable trade equity, to Sam Darnold, and then inking the fifth-year option without seeing him play one snap outside of a Jets uniform. I never understood it. I I, I get it less now more than ever. And and again, the fact that Matt Rule had said in his presser he had to go out of his comfort zone a little bit when he hired Joe Brady is astonishing. There's just some things, whether you feel it or not, just don't talk about it. Turning into that joke um, down in Jacksonville, Urban Meyer, like, like, I'm not seeing a difference in how they're like, both of them are just like completely like incapable of speaking to the media correctly. And I, I don't know, like John, like Matt rule should not, he, he's in the second year in the NFL and he's divulging yeah, yeah. this. Here, here, here's by the way, by the way, just real, let me, let me stop you real quick. Just on the, on, uh, just to clarify on the comfort zone quote, this is from Kim Martin from uh, ESPN. And again, I posted the clip as well, but here's the context. Asked if Joe Brady's lack of play calling experience was a factor in his decision to fire Joe Brady, Matt Rule says he decided to, quote, be bold and step out of my comfort zone, end quote, and, quote, be aggressive oh, by hiring somebody he didn't have much history with, uh huh, and who came from a different system, uh huh. So again, not having history with him when he, he brought a bandwagon of Baylor guys. With oh him. my guys goodness, with him. I have some. No, pr- Billy, I'm retweeting it right now. I go, 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 find it. It's terrible. No, I, I see the quote. I want to, I want to, I want to quote you something from a certain individual during training camp. Are you ready? Yeah, let's hear it. Be the brand. Be tough. Work your ass off. Wake up every day and do more than everybody else. Do the sh- shit that other people aren't willing to do. Train outside of your comfort zone. I'll repeat. Train outside of your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. I remember Quote who said Matt that. That, that, that. That was Matt Rule. That was Matt Rule. From that documentary during training camp. Yeah. So yeah. he has to go. I don't understand it. You can't preach to the players one thing, which I agree with, which it's totally fine. Being outside of your comfort zone is a good thing. Being outside of your comfort zone means that you don't have to sign all these being, Temple and Baylor Billy, players. Being out of the comfort zone is what going to the NFL is all about. You don't just bring all your guys with you. 
that uh, the only the, one of the main guys they were went outside the box. I get out of his quote comfort zone was Al Holcomb. I kept looking at this staff and, and I was like, you know what, Pat Myers, an NFL guy. I get that the tight ends coach has been around for a minute, but these are not guys who who, who blow me off the charts. I think their best assistant in a lot of ways, one of them is Al Holcomb because he spent time here under Ron Rivera. And man, Billy, I'm telling you, your friend Scott Turner. I've talked to him before too on Twitter. He's rolling right now. Matsko, one of the best O-line coaches. I got Seriously, to talk like, to him personally back in 18. Zone, why couldn't he keep John Matsko here? Exactly. Exactly. Well, and I guess part of that would be, you know, Tepper's decision to release, you know, Rivera early to give him a jump start. And Rivera just took his guys with him. And I don't blame him to the point. I like Sam Mills, the third doing a great job up there. I mean, look at what the Eagles, they go through several coaching transitions, but they've always kept their offensive line coach Stoutland intact. They go from Chip to Doug Peterson to, um, you know, Sirianni and, and Stoutland always survives because he's a very integral part of that organization. And to me, Matsko is one of the best offensive line coaches in the league. I don't know, John, I want to wrap this up here because we've. Well, this, keep... Real quick, real quick for real quick. I just, I want to, I want to just give you some of the names that are on this coaching staff. Again, Evan Cooper is the cornerbacks slash director of player eval. So Evan Cooper is front and center right now with Matt Rule. We saw the documentary. Evan is a Baylor guy. He he is pretty much the lieutenant. He is his he is the vice president, as I see it, if Matt Rule is the president. No one has Matt Rule's ear, I've been told, more than Evan Cooper in that building. And, and I, you know, Evan Cooper is a solid coach. He seems like a good guy. I just don't know if that's the reason uh, or if that's the formula for success moving forward. The staff overall, uh, it's just it's it, you look at like Arizona. Just I'll get off this point in a minute. Defensively, Vance Joseph, Branson Buckner, Billy Davis, who was their defensive coordinator in the Super Bowl year, by the way, in 08. They are loaded with NFL guys. I drove this goddamn point home, Billy, back when they hired Rule. And I said, look, don't the mob came after me. You know, the fan clubs and all that. And then the, <laughs> the pitchfork, you got to support this guy to, to change the culture, the process. Like, look, I, show me first. Show me what the differential is between this guy and his brand, his ideas, and the implementation thereof, and that of Ron Rivera or John Fox or other guys around the league that are getting hired. You could say what you want about Stefanski. Look, I, I would have hired him, and I don't know what you think about him. That was my guy. Yeah, because I, I knew he, he had was, the Callahan he connection. On my list too. He was that. I was. I was even screaming, "Go give Jim Harbaugh whatever he wants." Oh, he doesn't beat Ohio State. Okay, whatever. That ship has sailed. But again, we can't <laughs> go back. We can only go forward. <laughs> it's like people were telling me that like Harbaugh has gone Harbaugh my brother told me this Harbaugh is exactly what Matt Rule says he is he, he's gone to everywhere on the map and turned it around fast and they have been dominant and you know I, I just don't see it with Matt Rule yet I think his messaging is sloppy um, I watched a uh, I'll, I'll send this to you as well it was a coaching clinic he did last offseason Billy between this season and last and it, you know yeah, okay. So, I mean, look, he's he's a football coach. It's fine. Go back to the Big 12. <laughs> Do your thing. He was not qualified. Now, if it works out, great. He'll be the first in a long line of guys who've jumped in besides Cliff, by the way. But Cliff had some NFL heritage, by the way, as a player. He'd be the first in a long line of guys, including Nick Saban, who didn't get it done at this level. So, again, it's a high-risk proposition. And so far, I just don't see it working. It's too sloppy. Go ahead, Billy. Yeah, no, I mean, well, let's just tie this all up here. I mean, both of us, 
Uh, I mean, this conversation we've gone quite a bit on and we focused on a lot of the shortcomings of this regime, uh, specifically Matt Rule. I have nothing really bad to say about Scott Fitter because I I really don't know how much input he has into this organization when you have an owner that's supposedly impatient and then you have a head coach who's uh, making rash decisions week after week. Um, So I'm not here to lay blame at Scott Fitter or his department. Uh, I think they have a pretty decent personnel staff with him, Dan Morgan, Samir Suleiman, and I um, can't think of the other guy's name. The guy from came from Philly a couple years ago. Pat Stewart. No, I, I like I like that group. I think the front office is shaped pretty well. I mean, we, we saw what they did last year in free agents, or excuse me, in the draft. And I think that was more of a reflection of uh, their philosophy as opposed to Matt's. Uh, now let's just uh, move on here. Uh, you know the remaining schedule. The Falcons are a team that's uh, very, uh, in my opinion, their record does not reflect who they are, and I don't think they're a very good football team. They're uh, more along the lines of the Lions, Jets, and Jaguars, and they are of a playoff contender just because their point differential. If you look at, um, that's a pretty good barometer of what they are, and they're not very good. I mean, in DVOA, I know going into last week they were like thirty second. Uh, I'm not sure if that's still where they are, but. Yeah. This is a home game. Uh, like I said, the Falcons, they, they are a team that, you, you know, when they win games, it's by one possession. And when they lose games, it's usually uh, blowouts. Um, I know they lost right. the one to Carolina, but I felt Carolina was firmly in control of that game. So I think they'll win this week. I think that they'll bounce back. Uh, and I don't necessarily see the new offensive coordinator making a huge difference, but I just think Atlanta's not a very good team. And I think Carolina at home, they should win. Uh, if they don't, then Matt Rule's seat will get hotter and hotter, but I do expect Carolina to comfortably win this game. I'll go 23 to 10. I'm leaning that direction too. Now, again, I, I think Cam Newton coming back home, uh, much like he did against Washington, playing in his comfort zone, I know Dean Pease can dial up the heat, Billy, and that's one thing I think to look for. It seems to be something that teams are looking at like Flores did. He did it against Lamar. They might try to do it against Newton, but I think they'll get a little more downhill with their run concepts. Uh, They'll put Newton in a better position. You miss McCaffrey, obviously. It looks like Cordell Patterson is going to be back. That's an impactful uh, guy for the Falcons to get back. But Atlanta has been very bad of late. I mean, ever since Carolina... Uh, came out with that narrow win where they ran all over them. They did beat the Saints, and that happens. But they lost by 40 to the Cowboys. They lost by 25 to the Pats. Scored zero points in that game, of course. They barely beat the Jags, and uh, they were handled pretty easily last week against the Buccaneers. I'm going to go, oh, let's say 24-17 to 17 in this game, and they'll get a home win. Because if they don't, Billy... I remember a game when Ron Rivera, the the 2019 season before lost he was to Washington, he lost to Washington. But before that, remember Atlanta came to town and they weren't that good either. And I think they was it a I don't know if it was a shutout, but Atlanta mopped the floor with Carolina in that game. And, and so again, divisional games you never know. I just think the key to this game is just put pressure on Matt Ryan, keep it coming. If you keep hitting Matt Ryan. It affects him as much as any quarterback in the league. They don't have Calvin Ridley right now. Uh, Patterson's a good player. And, and then just get number nine out there, Gilmore, and just do the same thing you did on Pitts. Just line him up. Take Pitts out of the game. And uh, I, I think they can get a win here. We shall see. That's going to be it from us uh, today. I'm sure we'll have a recap of this matchup early next week. And if you want to follow John, 
Again, follow him on Twitter at one Panther place. You can follow me at Billy M underscore 91. I will just say something um, uh, as a memo. I'm probably not going to be posting a lot of Carolina Panther stuff till the season ends. I just think that this team has kind of annoyed me and I'd rather just focus on reflection and voicing everything I believe about this team on here on this platform, which gives me a better chance to kind of explain myself. And I don't have to engage with the masses on why I feel a certain way because it just becomes a little too toxic. So if you're wondering why I haven't posted anything on them or why I haven't spoken about the Joe Brady firing, (laughs) I try to leave it to this platform and it gives people a good reason to come listen to us too. Follow Billy at one Bengals place. (laughs) Oh, man. All right. Well, thank you again, everyone. John, thanks again, and uh, we'll see you early next week. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.